You're listening to About My Father's Business, presented by Iron Wifey. Without further ado, here's your host, the Iron Wifey herself, Michaela. Hello, loves, and welcome to another episode of About My Father's Business. Now, today's guest is someone who I have admired and followed for years. From the minute I heard her speak, I was immediately drawn to the Lord speaking through her, and I wanted her to be a mentor. And so, like most people, I followed her on social media, and in my mind, she became like this big sister or this mentor. And so, when I reached out for an interview, it's so amazing and so divine how things worked out, because I really wanted her to be on the show when I first thought of uh, this show. She was one of the, the top 10 guests that I really wanted to get on. And when I tell you, like, trying to get her on the show was like, the enemy was just testing testing and testing like I reached out pitched her we got her on and then it fell through we did it again same thing we did it again next time we were able to get her on virtually and I was like you know what Lord I'm grateful Um, I just need to hear from her and we were able to get her on virtually and then we had technical issues and we're not able to get the show up and when I tell you that Not only did the Lord get her on the show, but he answered a prayer of mine because I really wanted to meet her in person. And she ended up coming to San Diego, speaking at an event, and I was able to sit across from the table and conduct this interview that you are about to listen to. Now, today's guest, I told you, she is someone who I absolutely admire. She's a best-selling author, world-renowned speaker, and known as America's Money Maven. She's the founder of the Redefining Wealth podcast, where she encourages people to chase purpose, not money, and she executes her God-given assignments with grace and wisdom. Driven by faith alone in everything she does, I am honored and humbled to introduce to you all Miss Patrice Washington. Patrice, welcome, welcome, welcome to the show. It's an honor to have you here. Thank you for having me. And I have to say that I always believe when there's so much resistance to making things like this happen, there's something like happening right behind the scenes. So I always pay attention to that level of resistance. And I'm like, you know what, if that was the enemy, I'm I'm not going to just let the first thing or even the second thing sometimes make me go or forget it. That's an indication to me sometimes that you need to press forward. But Ooh. I do pray for wisdom and discernment. So sometimes it's, you know, sometimes it's like you need to sit down somewhere. <laughs> Other times yes. it's like, you know what, if you press on, there's a blessing yes. in this. And so, you know, be about your father's business. Ooh. You don't give up the first time. Right? So this is good. And I can admire your persistence. Thank you so much. Mm-hmm. And speaking of being about the father's business, let's just go ahead and jump right in. Patrice, what does it mean to be about the father's business in your life? Oh, my gosh. What does it mean? It means to literally live a life every single day that is based on what I truly feel like the spirit is leading me to do. And sometimes it's not logical. Mm -hmm. Sometimes it does not make any earthly sense Mm -hmm. (laughs) to me. I know there's been many instances in my life, like when I was leaving in college, when I was leaving college and I started a business during senior year and my family's like, where are you applying to jobs? I'm like, I'm not. (laughs) Well, you need a job or you need to go to grad school. No, I don't. Right. I truly felt led to do what I was doing against the advice mm-hmm. of people who I know loved me and had my best interest at heart. And mm-hmm. and that's what I've learned over time is that it's not about being defiant. 
it's not that I necessarily have some type of rebellious spirit, Mm -hmm. but at every step of the way when God has illustrated a vision for me, I haven't felt the need to justify it to everybody else in order to move forward. Yes. So I literally just do. Amen. And what is it that you were doing in college that didn't lead you to getting that job? So in college, I got licensed in real estate at 19 years old during sophomore year and at 21 during my senior year, decided to go ahead and take the test for my real estate and mortgage broker's license in California Okay. and passed the test first time. And I was like, first of all, they say the average person takes three times. I'm like, Lord, if I pass on the first one, I know it's real. I'm studying right now. I'm going to need some pointers on how to pass on the first one. Look, it's been a long time. I don't know what they're doing these days, but I buckled down and made it happen. And I I thought that was my sign. I felt that was my sign. So it never occurred to me. I literally did not apply for one job. Wow. I didn't fill out one grad school application. I was like, it's either this or this because this is what God gave me. Mm -hmm. So here we go. And that's no different, honestly, than now in my life. You know, my theme for this year is obedience. Mm. And I have been really asking myself, what would it look like if I followed what I felt the Holy Spirit telling me the first time? I love that. Because sometimes we'll hear things, Mm -hmm. but then we start to, like, rationalize. Mm -hmm. And then we, like, want to negotiate. And we're like, well, God, you know. You know I'm busy, right? So Mm -hmm. not right now. But I like what you said. But, Mm -hmm. (laughs) right? And... This year, I've been like, every time God tells me to move, I'm going to move without question. Wow. And so I've had some downloads getting out the shower. I moved. Mm -hmm. I moved. You know, I've had just different things. I had a program that I run in my business, which is not gone forever, but I literally felt the Holy Spirit say no. Wow. I was getting ready to launch. For me, that's a six-figure launch. Mm -hmm. Holy Spirit said no. And I was like, ah, Mm. about how this first quarter is set up. (laughs) When you say no, you mean no, like, mm, like what you trying to say? Mm -hmm. And I had two mastermind groups running and I kept being led to scriptures about, um, I think it's in Luke, but it was just about, you know, making sure that you know your sheep. Mm -hmm. And I felt like. My first mastermind group, I knew them really well, and I and my heart was to serve and be very intimate with them. And then I started another group coaching program, and then I brought on my second mastermind group, and I'm still one person. Yeah. And outside of coaching, I'm an international speaker. I'm yeah. writing a book. You know, I travel a lot. I'm still a mother and a wife. I have all this stuff going on. And I felt like the Holy Spirit was like, if you're not going to serve them and know their name, do not do mm. it. If you do and I was like, right, because I chase purpose, not money. Amen. And the Holy Spirit always has to bring you back because you, something's running good. And it's like the natural thing is like, oh, we'll just launch it again. Yeah. Everything in due season. I don't I don't operate based on the calendar on my phone. <laughs> you know, okay. I feel like Christ has a different calendar going on. Yes. So sometimes you're like, well, I have to launch it now because it's January. I may launch it in October. Mm hmm. I'm going to do it when he says, when he opens that door. But in the meantime, because I wasn't distracted by that, my ladies are being served from the second group to a greater capacity. And I got downloads about completely different things that I would have not had the time to hear. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And these are things where I'm like, okay, God. Like, he completely replaced it with something else that was not even on my radar. Mm -hmm. You know? Yeah. And I think that's what happens when... 
you're about your father's business, you surrender. Amen. Like, whatever you say, I'm rolling with it. I love it. Now, I want to take, I want to take us back way, way, way back. <sighs> I want to take us back to childhood. When okay. were you first introduced to Jesus Christ? I grew up in church. Okay. But I hung out with all the bad kids in church. <laughs> <laughs> so I grew up going to an AM, AME church in okay. South Central Los Angeles, where probably some of the baddest kids I ever met in my life went to that church. Okay. And so church was fun to me because okay. I knew they were going to cut up. They mm-hmm. were going to be in that choir closet doing the wrong thing. Mm-hmm. Right. But I was at church 25 8. Like my grandmother served in church, right? Mm -hmm. And I was on the youth choir and I did all of the fun things in church. But I do remember being maybe fifth or sixth grade and Mm -hmm. seeing people like get the Holy Ghost Mm -hmm. and being like, why is she doing that? (laughs) Right. Like, (laughs) but I became more intrigued as I got older, I would go. I want to experience that. Mm-hmm. And I remember my granny used to say, you got to just keep living, keep living, <laughs> keep living. Right. And I didn't understand what that really meant until really until I think college when my first boyfriend in college, I went to church with him. And that was the first time that I really wanted to have a relationship for myself not mm. trying to borrow my granny's faith yes, and not trying to just go off of what my mom said or anything. Like I wanted to know for myself. And I would say that was the beginning of me really seeking a relationship, not going through the religious kind of action of going because it was time to go. Yeah. yeah. I love that. And so in developing that relationship in college, how were you able to one, kind of cipher through the noise of college as you were kind of developing that relationship because I know a lot of our listeners are college age young women okay and you know they they want a deeper relationship with Christ but they don't necessarily know how to like say no to like that Friday night party or you know to turn down for Jesus (laughs) struggle mode that was the hardest thing that duality Mm -hmm. used to drive me nuts Mm. Because I didn't know if following Jesus meant being boring and having no life. Yes, say that again. And not Mm -hmm. being interesting and not having fun. And I just didn't have an example of it. Like, my family is ratchet, right? Mm -hmm. So it was like, but, but they still went to church. So... My initial example was that you could do both. Yeah, it was okay. It was okay. Mm-hmm. Like, it's totally okay to straddle the fence. Mm-hmm. What do you mean? As long as you go on Sunday, you could have all your Saturday night makeup. Mm-hmm. Just make sure you get there <laughs> bright and early 8 a.m. service on Sunday, right? And so that was a real struggle. And the more I started to, like, really meet meet God for myself, like, me, it, it was a struggle. I mean, I'm not going to lie. I felt like a failure in my faith a lot of times. Mm -hmm. And I used to pray like, like my husband, (laughs) like really if my faith was stronger, he wouldn't have been my husband. Mm. I'm going to keep it real. Okay. Because he was out there. Okay. Right. And I was like, but I love him. Right. (laughs) So when he wasn't around, I could, I could be holier than thou. But when Mm -hmm. he came around, I'd be struggling. Mm -hmm. Right. 
And I'd be like, take him away. But then I would feel like, like, that was my husband. Mm-hmm. Like, I know that we're going to end up together. So that, like, what do you do? Mm-hmm. I can't say that I mastered anything in particular at that time. I can't say that I did. But I can say that my heart, once I really started to meet Jesus for myself, I really did. My convictions were growing, but mm-hmm. I didn't have a conviction overnight. Mm-hmm. It was, you know... I had a conviction about being with the body. I had a conviction mm-hmm. like I had to go to church. Mm-hmm. I had a conviction about I had to have quiet time. Mm-hmm. I had a com- you know, so I had a conviction about a lot of things, but not all the right things. Yeah. I'm not going to lie. And I'm so glad, though, that he doesn't give up on us, though. Yes. You know, um, I'm really grateful for mercy. Yes. I'm really grateful for grace and I'm grateful that he sees our heart even when our conduct does not match. Mm-hmm. Yes. And I'm so grateful just for everything that I've been through and everything that I've experienced now because I do believe even though I had free will and I should I should have could have would have made wiser choices a lot of the things that I did experience college and beyond uh really I do believe they happened for me, mm-hmm. there were lessons in them, and they were the reason that I am who I am today. And I think that had I not had my own struggle with straddling the fence <laughs> back in the day, I couldn't have compassion for people now because I talk about the faith pillar quite a bit. Mm-hmm. And so when when young women DM me and say, but how? I'm like, girl, look, I know, mm-hmm. I know, but just hold on, right? Mm-hmm. So I can encourage them from a place that's not from like judgment. Yeah, it's it's really from I understand, but trust me. Yeah, trust me. It gets sweeter, it gets better, and you can still have fun, and you can still have a good time, and you can still be interesting. Yes, but you can also serve the Lord. Amen, amen. Now you came out of college with your real estate license. Mm-hmm. You started a business. Mm-hmm. You were balling. I mean, couldn't we, tell me nothing, girl. Like, I I know <laughs> daggone well that I didn't I didn't come out of college with that much money. I came out of college with debt. Mm-hmm. But you had an entrepreneur mindset from the very beginning. What sparked that? That was sparked by going to Red Lobster with my dad in sixth grade. Okay. And me asking my dad, "Why can you always come to stuff, but my mom can't?" Oh. So I didn't live with both my parents. And my mom worked full time. Mm-hmm. And she worked about 30 miles away, if not more, from where we lived. And so that meant she couldn't come to my random basketball days in the middle of the day. Mm-hmm. My basketball games in the middle of the day. Or when I was doing spelling bees or this or that. Like she, traffic, L.A., wasn't yeah. happening. Oh, she yeah, couldn't get no, there. No, that's a negative. But my dad could. And so one day I was like, how come you can come to everything? So I thought my dad didn't work at all. Mm-hmm. I was like... How does he have money but no job? Mm-hmm. This is fascinating. <laughs> and my dad said, I'm an entrepreneur. And I was like, what is that? Mm-hmm. And he's like, someone who creates their own business. You you like do what you want to do and you set your own schedule. And I said, oh, that's what I want to do. And that was all I knew. I said, oh, that's what I want to do. And I didn't think about in what capacity. Mm-hmm. It wasn't, I didn't, it didn't even dawn on me at that time, you know, <laughs> On, like to do what? Like what yeah. are you going to start and do by yourself? But I think it planted the seed because I started to look for problems. Yeah. 
And all I wanted to be was the solution. And for example, bedazzled headbands were like popping when I was in middle school back in the day. (laughs) And I used my birthday money to buy like a bedazzler Mm -hmm. and the little gems and stuff. And I would like get the the, go downtown (laughs) to the alley, they called it in Mm -hmm. L.A., um, and buy the packs of the bandanas, all the colors or whatever, and I would bedazzle them and sell them at school. So you I would buy a, a pack. Hustler. Oh, girl, day you one. Let me tell hustler. you, though, it started before that because in third grade, I used to sell candy. Okay. I used to take whatever little money I got, ask my mom to take me to Smart and Final, and a little girl at my elementary school got hit crossing the street to go over to an ice cream truck, got hit by a car. And they said, no crossing the street. And they made the ice cream trucks go down to the other blocks. They couldn't be across the street from the elementary school. So I said, I will sell them candy. And my mom took me to Smart and Final. I got all the stuff. I was slanging candy in third grade. I didn't know what to call it. I just felt like the candy lady, third, fourth grade. We were the only people in my neighborhood out of my friends that had like a microwave. Microwaves were new. Wow. I sound so old. But yeah, <laughs> microwaves were new. So you had to melt the long Jolly Ranchers around the blow pop and do this whole thing. It was a thing. And you had a whole contraction. A girl, I was making it happen. So that seed was always there. Okay. My dad put a name to it when he said entrepreneur. Mm-hmm. And then by the time I went to college and I got to USC business school, it was a no brainer for me to declare, you know, an emphasis in entrepreneurial studies. So that's what I did. Yeah. And and then my senior project from one of my entrepreneurial studies classes was supposed to be like a fictitious business. And I used it to create my real business. Wow. Mm-hmm. So you took that and ventured into real estate. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Selling real estate um, and doing mortgage loans at the time. Paper pushing pretty yeah. much. And I remember I had a professor there that was like, you know, you had to put time frames, like projections and all mm-hmm. this stuff. And mine was like real time. Like it was like, oh, two months from now, I'm going to do this, this and this. And he's like, he gave me a B minus, I think it was. Gave me a B minus because he said it was unrealistic and that oh. I needed to factor in like five years of something or the other. And I was like, first of all, I'm already doing stuff. Like okay. I don't talk to you about it, but I'm already making moves here. And second of all, I'll show you. Little did he know. Yeah, I'll show you. And less than five years later, yeah, we had a seven-figure business. Wow. Yeah. Seven figures out of college. I can't. Yeah. It took about four years, three and a half, four years. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm six years out, and we still fan off that. So <laughs> <laughs> three and a half, four years is pretty good. Yeah. Yeah, it was good. I mean... I honestly didn't realize the power of that until after it had passed. Okay. So when the recession hit and I ended up going from that seven figure business mm-hmm. to ending up in a place where I was scraping up change and applying for food stamps. Yes. I'm so like, how did this happen? Now you did have that moment. You mm-hmm. your your business did crash mm-hmm. in the two thousand and eight market crash. Yes. And it did. so um can you talk a little bit about what you were going through in that. I know it was you and your husband. You guys had the business together. And a baby. Um, and I was going to say, you were also pregnant. Um, and so how, first off, how did that impact your relationship with your husband? But mm-hmm. also, what did that do to your mental? So, first of all, 
when, you know, they say 2008, but if you were in real estate, you felt it in 2007. You started okay. to see the breaking down, mm-hmm. right, of an, of an entire industry. And I had taken a fall down the stairs while mm-hmm. I was pregnant, 20 weeks pregnant, ended up in the hospital, in the mm-hmm. emergency room. And did the only thing I knew to do, which was pray yes. and call other people and say, can you pray? Yes, get your warriors around you. Yeah. And they told me when I got to the emergency room, like, I'm sorry, this baby is coming any minute. Mm-hmm. Girl, I rebuked that and start praying and ended up getting admitted to the hospital the next day. Mm-hmm. And wore a belt, you know, that monitored the baby 24 mm-hmm. seven. And I'm in the hospital. I'm on bed rest with the bed tilted, you know, mm-hmm. back at an angle to keep her up. Like, you know, mm-hmm. and watching the news and every day the banks were closing down banks that I worked with and I'm watching it or they're talking about changing the loan programs and they were like tightening everything up and it was very hard to get a deal closed. And I had 16 loan officers and real estate agents that worked under me at that time. And they were freaking out. Their clients were losing deposits. Their deals were falling through. People were threatening suing. I mean, it was like one disaster after another. And I'm on bed rest freaking out because I am used to fixing. I am the fixer. I am the closer. And my team members would be calling like, can you fix it? Like, Mm -hmm. I need you to fix it. And I'm like, girl, I can't go to the bathroom without calling my nurse. Mm -hmm. I can't fix anything. And finally, my doctor came in one day. She had been monitoring, you know, they monitor the baby. You keep this belt around your waist when you're in the hospital and they're looking at the baby's vitals. And she said, Patrice, you know, I don't know what is going on, but you are stressing out and you are freaking the baby out. And if you don't stop, you'll leave here two years in a row with no baby. Oh, she was an angel. Dr. Lee, Cedar sinai Medical Center. Mm. And she was referencing that the year before, I had a son in that same hospital, same doctor, same floor, who died after five hours in my arms. I read that story. One yeah. pound, six ounces. Yep, yep. And I said, all right, I got to surrender. Mm-hmm. I got to surrender. So I asked them to take the TV out the room. Mm-hmm. My husband bought an iPod. We didn't even, we didn't have an iPod back then. They were new. (laughs) He bought me an iPod. He had somebody put praise and worship music on it. Mm. He brought me this red journal. I'll never forget. I still see it all the time. I keep all my journals. A little red leatherette journal and my Bible. And I was like, I'm going to pray and praise my way through. Mm -hmm. I do believe when I look at what ended up happening, which I'll get to, that he was helping me become mentally fit Mm. I had nothing to do Mm -hmm. but sing to this baby which is so funny when my daughter was born even until she was like a toddler I could sing certain songs and she she knew it Mm -hmm. you could see her ears perk up or she would turn and look like that's my song Mm -hmm. right because she was used to hearing me sing it which I thought was fascinating but I had nothing to do but praise and worship Pray, journal. That was it. That was your wilderness. Yeah. Read read books. You know, people sent me really nice personal development type of things. And so that was getting me mentally fit because I thought that was the storm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I didn't know it was going to keep going. Mm -hmm. So I get out. I have my daughter um, at 30 weeks. She's 10 weeks premature, but she's healthy. And she was three pounds, two ounces. And we ended up... 
uh, putting her in the NICU. She was there for three and a half weeks. By the time we left, after my 10 weeks and her three and a half weeks, by the time I got home with that healthy baby, I also had healthy amount of medical debt for almost 400000 Jeez. Upwards of three seventy five, And no deals had closed. Oh. And uh, my husband had been using the savings, keeping our office afloat, keeping our mortgages afloat, like taking care of payroll, doing all mm-hmm. the things. And it didn't take long, less than a year. Like the fact that we made it another several months, about 10 months or so. And we got to the point where, I mean, our home foreclosed and we had matching Range Rovers back in the day. We had to call Land Rover like, y'all want to come get these? And what would y'all <laughs> like to do? They're like, no, we need you to pay the note. No. We not going to be able it. to do that. Nope. I can't even put $5 in this tank right now. You definitely need to come get this car. And everything that can happen, girl, happen. And long story short, we ended up going from this seven-figure business to literally scraping up change and applying for food stamps and an EBT card. And I met so many angels along the way, though. Mm-hmm. From the woman who talk me through how to apply for a financial hardship at the hospital. I didn't know there was any such thing. Mm -hmm. And I was calling like, there must be something wrong with my bill. I think it's a typo. Yeah. Did you mean 30,000? You added four more extra zeros. Yeah, like there's a (laughs) lot here. And a few people were very rude, were nasty, and I would just pray and I would, you know, Holy Spirit say, call again, call again, call Mm -hmm. again. I'm like, they don't tell me the same stuff. But I called one day and I met an angel. And she said, she told me exactly what to do when whatever she said do in that moment, I did it. And then I ended up getting a letter that like 300 and something thousand had been forgiven. Oh, Jesus. So I actually only ended up being responsible for like 40 something thousand. Wow. Which was nothing but God. But girl, I didn't have that 40 either. But that's another story. (laughs) And... I met angels, like the woman in um, the welfare office. I had, you know, we foreclosed on our home in in California, ended up in Metairie, Louisiana, and that's where I applied for food stamps. And I remember going to this welfare office and sitting in this waiting room, and I was like, but I don't belong here. Mm -hmm. Like, I went to USC. Mm -hmm. Like, I'm Dean's List material. Like, I'm... I was rich, mm-hmm. <laughs> right? I'm just, I'm just being honest. These yeah. are the things I'm thinking, like, why am I here? And I ended up sitting down with, like, a caseworker, and, you know, they're going through the application and asking you these questions. Girl, I just burst out crying. I was like, I don't belong here. Like, I don't belong here. And she said, have you paid your taxes? I said, yeah. She's like, you've paid taxes all the time you were working and making money? I'm like, yeah. And she's like, so you do belong here. Mm. Because if you've been paying your taxes, you deserve support. Mm-hmm. This ain't your life forever. Wow. And that planted the seed that this is temporal. This is a season. Stop. Like, get up. You know, <laughs> you know, get up. This, like, get it together. This is a season. Yes. This is not forever. Mm-hmm. And... You know, where is your hope? Where is your faith? It was, um, you know, that was kind of what I was thinking. Yeah. And I was like, okay, okay. She's right. So then I dry my eyes like, when can you load my card? (laughs) (laughs) But angels, I mean, I've met angels all, all along the way. And that's how I know that, yes, I could have made different decisions. And again, we could live in coulda, shoulda, woulda. But I choose to look at this story 
as much as I tell this story, right? Yeah. I choose to look at it and go, I know that this happened for me. I don't believe any of this happened to me. I needed to have some of these experiences for me yes. to be the woman that I am. Mm-hmm. So I don't regret any of it. I don't regret what I did or didn't do. It is what it is. And in spite of how raggedy the story may sound to some, it's a story that God gave me. And it's, it's a story, yeah, this is the testimony that I'm supposed to use to transform lives, to plant seeds so that other people have hope. So that's why I'm not ashamed of my testimony. I remember a time when everything was first happening. You talk about how did I stay mentally fit? There were so many times when I felt like, who are you? Yeah. To have these conversations. Like, who do you think you are? Yeah. Do, you, do you need a reminder that you don't have no money right now? Yeah. But the Holy Spirit would say, you lost your money, but you haven't lost your mind. Yes. And just hearing that story, I believe that that was a, a humbling moment for you to truly learn what it meant to trust God and for him to be a provider. Because for so long, you had been providing yes. for yourself. You yes. allowed yourself in your own strength to make it happen. And so, like, the Lord just had to sit you down and be like, hold on. You didn't make that happen. I made that mm-hmm. happen. And that's exactly why I give God all the glory now. And that is also why, you know, I've been speaking professionally now for going on nine years, eight years. Mm -hmm. And I remember the first few years that I was speaking when people would ask me to curve my vocabulary as to not be offensive. Mm -hmm. And, you know, everyone here is not a Christian. Everyone here is not. So if you could refrain from saying you know, God-given or these Mm -hmm. things or whatever. And I tried, and I felt like I was in a costume almost. Like, I didn't feel like myself, and I was betraying myself because I know what happened to me when I was on the bathroom floor yelling, God, why? And Mm -hmm. he brought me the scripture, Proverbs 17, 16. Like, I know the encounter. I know the conversations that we've had, you know, like in those intimate spaces, those quiet times, those downloads. I know the angels that have been put on my path. Like, like there's just too many things that I know to be true to deny it. Yes. And about four or five years ago, for real, for real, I started being like, if you don't want me to tell my full story, because I can't go anywhere and tell half the story. Mm -hmm. You can't hear the, the, pieces you want to hear you can't hear the mountaintop without Mm -hmm. hearing my valley yes because God met me in my valley Mm -hmm. you know and the best thing I could have done was made a choice that if people didn't want to hear all of my story they didn't deserve my story on their platform um because I'm not going to deny what I know to be true for myself and I don't force my faith on people but I'm not going to deny my faith either yeah Are you enjoying the podcast you're listening to right now? No worries. It doesn't have to stop here. With more podcast interviews, blogs, and magazine, we want to invite you into our community of sisterhood. We are daughters of a king, which makes all of us sisters in Christ. As sisters, it's our responsibility to encourage and inspire one another. Because at the end of the day, as iron sharpens iron, one woman sharpens another. Check us out online, ironwifey.com. That's I-R-O-N-W-I-F-E-Y dot C-O-M. Now, you speak on your valley moment, and Mm -hmm. it's so funny because 
I've heard for years about, you know, people asking me, what's your bathroom moment? What's your bathroom mm-hmm. moment? And it wasn't until I finally, you know, came across Patrice Washington. And I'm just like, oh, I get it now. That's what a bathroom moment is. Do people say that? Yes. I've literally been asked, you know, wow. like, oh, you know, I had a bathroom moment and I literally had just hit rock bottom and that was my bathroom moment. You know what's so funny? I really didn't know that. So as much as I've been telling my story for several years, people will talk to me in reference mm-hmm. to it because because that's how I talk, right? So they'll say, so can I tell you about my bathroom floor? And that's how they tell me whatever their rock bottom was. Not necessarily that it was also physically in the bathroom, but I didn't know that that was a thing, that your bathroom thing. moment. Yes. Oh, wow, girl, yeah, I had a real bathroom moment. <laughs> yes. So what was your bathroom moment? So my bathroom moment happened when I was in that 600-square-foot box of an apartment in Metairie, Louisiana, after my home foreclosed in California. And Gerald, my husband, had taken my daughter out. And I was tired of keeping up the front. Mm -hmm. So the thing about my faith was that it made me perpetuate the strong black woman Mm -hmm. thing. And it's cool to have faith, but it's not cool to suffer in silence. And I was in a time when I was suffering in silence. And... I wanted to encourage my husband, so I felt like I could not complain or have a problem, yeah. right? Because I didn't want him to feel bad. Yeah. And that's what we do a lot. We take yeah. on the burdens of everything, and then we don't create a safe space or outlet for ourselves. And so at that time, my family knew that we moved. They didn't realize we fled. Yeah, They knew we left, but they didn't understand under what pressures yes right so they didn't know we were living in this teeny tiny apartment they didn't know that we were getting eviction notices they didn't know i had applied for ebt card like they didn't know any of this and so i didn't feel safe asking for support Mm -hmm. that's one of the things i learned after this bathroom floor moment is that you got to ask for help but my husband had left with my daughter and i was in the bathroom and i'm like looking in the mirror i'm like okay god now enough now (laughs) Mm -hmm. I have been a good person I try to do what you tell me to do I operate with integrity I treat people well Mm -hmm. I'm respectful I'm a nice person because you know we think bad things nice people those Mm -hmm. don't go together right so I'm like I'm a nice person Mm -hmm. (laughs) and I'm going down the list you know I'm Nehemiah like don't forget me Mm -hmm. I'm trying to remind you of what I've done. I've done this. I've done that. I didn't do this. Other people were doing that. I didn't do that. Like, Mm -hmm. how did I end up here? And I was asking those questions, and then it turned into crying. It was a light cry. Yeah. Then it progressed to a sob. (laughs) Then it got into a good ball and Mm. snot. That ugly cry. cry. If you ever snot, mm. Mm-hmm. That's not where it's running out of everywhere. It's just not you right. You look at yourself and you're like, oh, you who are you? Girl, it was, get it yes. yes. <laughs> it was basically that. And I ended up breaking down to being on the floor, bawling, fetal position. My forehead was on the linoleum. And I'm like, God, look, I can't do anymore. I'm tired of trying. I'm trying. I'm tired of trying to force things. I'm tired of trying to manipulate outcomes. Like I can't do anymore. And the Holy Spirit said, "Get, get up and get your Bible." Mm. And people don't always believe when I tell them this. I did not turn two pages. I literally opened the Bible, mm. and I scanned the page. But my eyes locked in on Proverbs seventeen sixteen, and it said, "What good is money?" 
in the hands of a fool if they have no desire to seek wisdom. Mm. I'm just like, huh. Yeah. Let me read it again. (laughs) What good is money in the hands of a fool if they have no desire to seek wisdom? Hmm. But I'm smart. Mm-mm. I'm smart. I got the degree. I was on the dean's list. That's I mean, the title, I baby passed. girl. That's the title. But no, I'm smart. Mm-hmm. And then I said, I've, I was instructed. I'm like, what is wisdom? Mm-hmm. And then I looked up wisdom. It's the application mm. of knowledge. How to use, right, the information you have. When, where, with whom, how. Like, it's not just having the information. And that was the first time it hit me. Oh, you've had a lot of information, knowledge, education. You didn't necessarily have wisdom. And a part of gaining wisdom is being able to seek wise counsel. Yes. And you don't know how to do that because I wasn't raised to ask for help. I was raised to figure it out. Yeah. So I lived my life with figure it out, figure it out, figure it out, which is why I was at a place where my back was all the way up against the wall before I would even think of uttering. Hey, "Hmm." can you help me? Yeah. Yeah. And... Not even recognizing how do you ask for help. Yeah. I don't even know that I had seen examples at that point. Yeah. You know? And I promised God in that moment with that Bible, I said, God, I got to tell people this. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, how sometimes we bargain. I'm like, if you restore me. <laughs> people are like, oh, you mean when? No. In the moment, I say if. Yeah. If you restore me. I will go everywhere I can and tell people mm. that, that this journey is about seeking wisdom. You got to seek wisdom. And that is what I've done since 2009. Um, it's, it's evolved. Mm-hmm. It's looked different mm-hmm. at different points in my career. But for 10, 11 years, I've been like, wherever I can go and wherever people will listen, I am going to plant this seed. And yes. that's what I've been doing. What's the first step in seeking wisdom? I think giving yourself permission to admit you don't know what you don't know. Mm. Um, I will say, especially as a black woman who was the first to go to such a prestigious college and um, the first of many things in my family that I I can't say that made me feel, but I did feel like I didn't have the luxury of asking for help. Mm -hmm. So I didn't ask for help because I hadn't given myself permission. Once Mm. I gave myself permission to accept that, you don't nobody know everything. Yeah. And it's actually really smart to hire your weakness, right? Yeah. It's actually really smart to get support. It's it's much more wise to acknowledge what you don't know um than faking it. Yeah. And pretending to know. And once I start giving myself permission, girl, I asked you for something before we even started. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> right? Now I'm like, "Oh, once I have an awareness, like, oh, that's a thing. Yeah. I don't know that thing. I don't know what that looks like. I'm not sure what's behind the black curtain. Like, I don't quite understand the interworkings. Oh, but this person, mm-hmm. she seems to know. I'm just going to ask her. Mm-hmm. And what I have learned over the last decade is how willing people are to help. Yes. How willing they are to support. And I know that to be true because I'm willing to support. Mm-hmm. Right? So it's like, why do we feel like 
when it's time for us to get some love, we're like, nobody wants to help. No, I think sometimes people don't know how to help you because you act like I got it all together and I don't need any support. Yeah. I don't care what my career looks like. I'm very aware that I do what I do very well. And there's a lot of things that I do pretty mediocre mm-hmm. and I need support. Yes. I mean, the way I look at it, like, and I was just having this conversation with a, a girlfriend of mine the other day, but Moses made so many excuses when it came to using his gifts mm-hmm. and he needed that support. Mm-hmm. And if it wasn't for God sending Aaron, I don't think Moses would have had the confidence to continue to walk in his gifts. Yeah. And so sometimes we all just, we need our Aaron. We we need our Aaron. Yeah. I, I was just speaking to the young ladies at San Diego State University and I told them, listen, there's no greatness you are about to achieve in isolation. Mm. There is nothing that you're going to do that is really significant yeah. that you will do completely by yourself. Yeah. Yeah. My face is on book covers and my you know name may be on my podcast or any number of things. But there's always a team of people mm-hmm. that help to make that happen. And I'm very clear that I would not be here without all the different people who have come along at different stages in this journey to help Patrice Washington be Patrice Washington. I'm yeah. so clear. Yeah. And one of the things that I really make a point to do is honor those people. You know, yes. and it, and to me, it's not about honoring people even publicly because some people will only acknowledge folks when when there's a crowd. Yeah, I acknowledge people when it's just me and you. Mm-hmm. Right. So I always want to make sure that people know my heart. I don't want them. I don't need anybody to get sick. Yeah. I don't need anybody to die so I yeah. can come to their funeral and say how awesome I thought they were. I like give people their flowers while they're here, Amen. you know. Um, because I realize, I recognize that we need each other. And in the same way, many of the people who have supported me over the years, you know, I was an encouragement during their journey to whatever's next. And what I love about what I do, what I've always done, you know, I supported other people in getting their broker's licenses back in the day. And I remember people would tell me, well, he gets his license. He ain't going to want to work for you. That's fine. His season Mm -hmm. will be up. Yeah. We like to stay in seasons past the expiration date. Yes. When someone's season is up, I bless them. Yes. I bless them. The the time you were here, the 17 months, the three months, the two years, the whatever, I pray that I was a good enough example for you, yes. right, of what to do and maybe things not to do. I don't know. Hopefully it's all what to do, but things not to do as well. But that you were blessed in this season yes. so that you can move on to your next. Nobody is supposed to be in the same season forever. We yes. should all be evolving because purpose evolves. That is literally my leadership style. Literally. Mm-hmm. I learned early on from leaders who were amazing leaders who were like, you're not going to be here forever, but I want to give you the tools to succeed. Yeah. And so I've taken that to any job I've had in any leadership position I've had. It's like, you know what? You're going to come in the door and you're not going to want to be here. And that's okay. But I want to give you skills that you can use somewhere else. Yeah, that's that's always been me. I've had people tell me I've literally had to just fire people. Yeah. Because it was clear to me that God was calling them to do other stuff, but they were fearful of the call. And I was like, Lord, I'm going to have to push. I got fired because of that. Literally, I'm sitting at my desk and they're like, you know, this isn't going to work out. And I'm like, what? What? But uh, what? What did I do? Wait. Nothing. Just like you you belong somewhere else. Mm -hmm. I've released people. Mm -hmm. My husband is funny. I had a live podcast taping and I think three or four people who worked for me at one point ended up coming. 
And they were all like together, but they didn't necessarily know each other all at the same time, but they knew of each other in some way. And he's like, I've never seen somebody fire so many people (laughs) who support you so hardcore. I'm like, because there's a way to do it and leave people with their dignity. Yeah. I've never, you know, because when people start to unravel in the workplace, and here's what I truly do believe. um, If you are in a space, especially if you call yourself a Christian, you have a mandate to show up in excellence because you represent your father. If you bought your father's business, you don't start letting yourself slip into mediocrity. No. That does nothing for the kingdom. And no shade to any of these ladies that I'm referring to that have worked for me, but I started to see the slip. Mm. And I'm like, but that's just because this is not truly what you're being called to do. But they wanted to do it because they loved me. Yeah. Or because they they loved the relationship or they just adored my work or any number of things. And I'm like, girl, you can love me from somebody else's office. Yeah. <laughs> right? You can support, yeah. share my stuff in mm-hmm. social media or something. But this is not what God is calling you to do. And one young lady in particular, I knew that she was really called to do more things in entertainment. And... You know, when I let her go, she was, like, upset. She understood, but she was upset. Yeah. Maybe two, three months later, she's like, Patrice, <laughs> thank you so much for pushing me. Mm-hmm. She ended up coming to L.A., working on this show on the OWN Network yes. and meeting all these people. And it led her down this path. Come on, but had I yes. kept, so So here's the deal. I recognize it's not about whether I'm going to be short-staffed, right? Like... As a leader, I have a responsibility to help usher people into their greatness, like into their calling. And I can't live with this mantra of chase purpose, not money, and watch people stay with me for the money. Yes. That's not an integrity. Mm -hmm. So, you know, once I'm like, yeah, you have other things to do. If you don't make the jump, I'm going to push you. I love it. All right, guys, now our hour is up this week, but I want to make sure you guys come back next week and tune into part two. This week, we were able to discuss so much from um, Patrice's start in real estate to just growing her business to becoming the woman that she is today and the path and the journey that God has brought her along. Now, I'm so excited for next week's episode because you will learn more about Redefining Wealth, the Redefining Wealth podcast. You're going to learn about the pillars that Patrice kind of runs her life and her business by and I'm super excited for you to just dive in and adapt those pillars to your lifestyle so make sure you tune in to another episode next week next Tuesday uh, on about my father's business podcast thank you so much for tuning into this episode with Patrice Washington and we look forward to seeing you back here next week again Patrice is going to be back next week with part two of this interview and we can't wait for you guys to hear it I'll talk to you guys next week bye (laughs)